great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour. Joining me now in studio. We haven't seen him and his nice hairline in a couple of weeks <laughs> in studio. A few weeks ago, it was just Seth Thibodeau and I looking back. and Seth mentioned that he gets his hair cut. And I said, really? Where? How? And I said, look, I could say the same thing about myself, which led us to talking about you know, Coach Babineau's hair, which I'd like to say, you know, mentioning something other than baseball would make Bab uncomfortable, but he's such a pro at this radio thing. He just comes in here and says, I don't know what Scott's going to say, but it's not going to surprise me. No, well, uh, I've learned that from Billy, though. Yeah, really. You're all, you know, you've been on with Billy so many times that you realize anything is possible. Absolutely so. Nothing surprises me. No, not at all. Um, I, that That's a good, that's a it's a good place to start because we're we're going to kind of circle back and forth as we tend to do when we chat. But nothing surprises you. Um, Cooper Rawls, National Collegiate Player of the Week. He's on mm-hmm. the list this week. The Ragey Cajun reliever who, I guess a week ago today at this time, he had pitched two innings all season. Um, the only thing I really knew about Cooper was he was Julie Rawls' younger brother and he liked to sing country music. Mm-hmm. He played a little guitar. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen him much on the mound. Then he goes in against Louisiana Tech in the Wednesday game, seven and two-third innings, just a slider that, I mean, good luck. It was it was outstanding. Then he, then he you know, gives you guys relief. So some fans were surprised because they, they felt like it came out of nowhere. For you guys being there, um, might not have come out of nowhere. So you weren't surprised. Give us a little backstory on what's changed with Cooper. Well, we weren't surprised, but at the same time, <clears throat> I don't think that we could have expected, you know, the outing that he gave us that night just because he hasn't, you know, he hadn't been a guy really, so to speak. He hasn't been one of the guys that, that we've been going to, you know, out of the out of the bullpen, a couple of shaky outings early on, but we've seen that out of him in fall practices and inter-squad games. We know what... What could be, it just it hadn't happened yet. Well, I mean, it happened in a happened in a big way on Wednesday night. It really did, just when we needed it too, because he entered the game down six one, and the only way we were going to come back is if somebody out of the bullpen would have stopped them, and that's exactly what he did. And not just stop them, but stopped them right in their tracks. I mean, they had no shot. They really didn't. It was crazy to see and. Allowed our guys to have that one beginning, which was enough to overtake the, them and win the ball game. He closed it out, and another couple of big innings on Sunday to close out that series in Arkansas State. But just very proud for Cooper. He's a he's a great kid. He's worked a lot. He's worked really hard while he hasn't had any Work pitching time. Wait, he right? hasn't had any pitching time, and he's continued to keep a positive attitude and do things the right way. And a lot of times, when you do that, it pays off. Was there any? Did he make any changes to the pitch, the arm slot, anything like that, or was it just a matter of working while you wait and opportunity presents itself? No, he did. He he changed his arm slot 
prior to the season. So his first couple of outings, his arm slot was the same as what it was the other day. It just the stuff wasn't as good. And but Wednesday it was really good, you know. So there was nothing that he changed. The change happened prior to the season because he was more over the top in the fall and was just okay. Really was just okay. And then we moved him down a little bit, and that's when we got a lot more sink and run, obviously, and, and the sweeping slider as opposed to the more of the down downward plane slider. So it, it was really good. We liked what it what it did, and he had some good outings before the season started. Just whenever he got into games, when the season started, it didn't it didn't work out that well until the other night? Worked is, out real well. Is there a point where you you know he's three or four innings in where you're like? Is this, he's just going to ride this thing all the way out, you know? Like, is there a point when somebody is on the mound and they're just such, they're in the zone that much that you realize, I, I don't think they're coming out tonight? 100%. That was definitely the case Wednesday. Yeah. Definitely the case. You know, as he kept, it seemed like each inning kept getting easier and easier and easier. And that wasn't the case, obviously. He had to work just as hard, sure. if not if not harder, the deeper he got into the game, but you know that when when a pitcher is doing that to an offense, it's demoralizing for an offense. And and each guy that goes up, you know, the guy before him didn't have success or possibly hit a ball on the screws and right at someone. And it's like, man, even when I squared up, <laughs> there's nothing. And and you just see it in in an offense. And yeah, absolutely. I know that's what I was thinking. That's what Coach Deggs, Coach Thibodeau, the, the probably every. Everyone in the dugout was like, he's going to finish this. He really will. So how does, does does that change? I mean, obviously it changes his role moving forward. He's more involved than we saw him pitch in relief Sunday. But is this, is Cooper likely just staying out of the pen on the weekends? Is he maybe a midweek starter? Where where has, has his role, his role obviously was impacted by what he did a week ago. Um, do you guys know the impact yet? Or are you kind of just seeing how things play out? Yeah, I don't think we really know the impact yet because of the fact that he hasn't been a guy, right? He hasn't been a guy that we've used in the sense of knowing, okay, he can handle this role, he can handle this role, he can handle this role, right? I mean, he handled on Wednesday a long relief role, obviously. Sunday, he handled a back-end role, obviously, for us, but... For us to say right now, okay, because he's done this, this last week, this is where we're going to use him now. You know, I think you've seen with a lot of our guys, especially the relievers, we'll use them because we don't, we don't, a lot of our bullpen, like we we match, we do matchups a lot, you know, whether it be righty, lefty, or, or just a feel that this guy is going to have success against against this guy because of the certain stuff that he has. So our our bullpen guys don't normally rack up a lot of pitches in their outings. So they're able to throw more often. So I think you'll see him. I think you could see him come in in any spot, really. Um, right now, I don't think it's as a starter. But who knows? Down the road, it could be if he continues to show that he can do you know, what he's been doing these last couple of outings. Anthony Babino, our guest, great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We've got a lot more to get into. Has Cooper ever um, like broken out guitar and played for you guys or sang any songs? Cooper Rawls Band. The Cooper Rawls Band. Yeah, he has, absolutely. 
Yeah, he can pick it and he can sing. He he used to have some stuff up on like his Twitter account and he took it down. But I remember the first I remember when you guys I guess when he committed, I like went and I was like, Oh, look at this. And he was the confidence was there. And and I, I circle back because something that that Coach Deggs told me on Monday about him, he said, All I'll say is the kid believes in himself. Mm-hmm. Now look, you might say that's dumb. It's music, it's not baseball, whatever. Confidence is confidence. And when you see it in somebody that believes in themselves, regardless of what it is, there's a carry over there. And I think you've got to have that mindset if you're going to be somebody in a sport like baseball where you fail more than you succeed and you end up not maybe playing as much as you thought. I would imagine most players, Bab, when they get to a program, unless they're, you know, uh, a catcher that just does bullpen work, like the, the vast majority of the people on the team know they, they, when they get there, they feel like in their mind, rather, I'm going to play. Like, I'm going to play and I'm going to make an impact. Right. When that doesn't happen for some guys, how they respond to that, I think, tells you a lot about that person and how much they sort of believe in themselves, right? Yeah, it absolutely does because you're correct. Everyone that comes thinks they're going to be the Friday night guy and they're going to be the opening day whatever, uh, position player-wise. And when that doesn't happen, they, they have a decision to make and how to handle it, whether it be to cause a distraction or just kind of take a back seat and wait their turn, continue to work, continue to improve, continue to push, continue to bring something to the team to help them win, even though it may not be on the field or on the mound or at the plate. There's there's so many other ways that you can help a team, and they've got to make that decision. And ultimately, if they never get the playing time, then they've got to decide, okay, what's – you know, we're at a crossroads here. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? And how am I going to handle this? But usually the ones that handle it right and continue to work, if they're good enough, if they're talented enough, they eventually find their way into the lineup in some aspect. Maybe, maybe not the everyday guy, but a, but a big contributor, whether it be a guy coming off the bench or, or something like that. So it's um, – and, and each, each player handles it differently. You know, I've seen it handled pretty much every single way you can throughout the years from the very, very good to the very, very bad. And a lot of that is is how you were brought up and, and what you were exposed to coming up personality in, into the type, game, personality you know? types. Yes, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Anthony Babineau, I guess, when you played, what was your experience as a player when you got to campus and day one versus your last game in a, in a Cajun uniform as a player? Well, I remember day one for me, I was just, you know, I came in, my freshman year was 1991, which prior to us getting to the College World Series in 2000, in my opinion, was one of the best, if not the best teams that ever played here. Guys like Damian Grossi and Ken Myers, Tommy Bates, uh, Papo Ramos, mm-hmm. um, Robert Turk, Joe, uh, Joe. I think Joe Burnett was was the year before that. Pete Guajardo, Michael Watts, Chris Benhart, Gary Hart. I mean, just some serious players. Guys that a lot of guys that played professional baseball. That was a team that was. Qualified for the regional in, in Baton Rouge, played LSU in the in the finals of that regional. I think they were one game away from the College World Series. You know, at that time, 
that was the closest a USL team had ever been. So that was my first year in the program, and, and I was fortunate. I knew, I was confident in what I could do, but I was also realistic. You know, I'm not, I'm not a dummy. I was smart enough to see that, hey, I'm, I'm not Damian Grossi. I'm not Tommy Bates. I'm not Perry Berry. I'm not Jason Shiree. I'm not, you know, so I was able to learn a lot from those guys. So for me, it was I didn't get frustrated because I didn't crack the starting lineup. I knew I was not going to crack the starting day lineup. One, right, yeah. Day one. Or day last, probably, that first year. So it really wasn't an issue for me. I was I was there. I knew that I was there to provide help, to help in practice, to help push these guys. Not that I thought that any of these guys said, oh, hey, there's little Bab over there. I better, <laughs> I better tighten up or he may take my position. But at the very least, I mean... They had to, they had to work a little bit, right? You know, because there was there were other players. And look, I was I was a I wasn't a, a recruited player. Right. I, I was I was kept as a walk on. So I was really, for all intents and purposes, no threat to anyone. But I used that first year to learn from all those guys, to grow in the college game. To I mean, I was exposed to a whole lot in the game that I wasn't exposed to in high school. And, and I had some good experiences in high school with... You were like a sponge, the, basically. Basically. Like, Let me go in here and just soak up as much of this as right, I can. Learn as much as I can so that when the day finally comes that I do get opportunities, I'll be prepared for them. And now as a coach, I'm sure you might not share the exact story, but the lessons learned from that year, I'm sure you, you use when you're working with some of the young guys or players on the team that aren't playing right out the gate. Yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've used my own experiences to speak to a player individually or as a group, as the, the team as a whole. Yeah. Anthony Babineau, I guess, do you know what the number one song in the U.S. was when you started playing baseball at USL your freshman year? The great song, by the way. I still love this song today. Great song. What, what sort of, what genre? What? Let's say that if you went to Colors in college, they were oh, playing this on the man. dance floor. This was played at the plaza. This was played everywhere. Everybody was dancing to this song. Spring Love? Dancing. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Stevie, Stevie B. B? No. Everybody, everybody was dancing now to this song. Oh. oh you t- <laughs> <laughs> that was number one in Number 91? one in February of 1991. This is a classic. You look like you don't like this, man. What's the deal? You don't see my head bobbing. All right, all right, cool. No, I didn't know if you were looking at me like, turn this off. Are we going to break so I can get out of the chair? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, plenty more with uh, assistant Rage Cage baseball coach Anthony Babineau. A um, uh, couple of rainouts, canceled games. We'll talk about that. The matchup with ULM, Hayden Dirk, Chipper Menard, and more. Don't go anywhere. If you're in your car, don't you know? Don't take your hands off the steering wheel, but you can dance. If you're not in your car, maybe you're listening to this on demand via the podcast later in the day. Just turn it up, just dance. Come on. Here is the goal. Back with the face, pajamas live in effect, and I don't waste time off the mic with a dope rhyme. Jump to the rhythm, jump, jump to the rhythm, jump, and I'm here to combine beats and lyrics to make you shake your pants, take a chance. Come on and dance, guys. Grab a girl, don't wait, make the swirl. It's your world, and I'm just a squirrel. Trying to get a nut to move your butt to the dance floor. So, yo, what's up? Hands in the air. Come on, say yeah. Everybody over here, everybody over there. The crowd is live, and I'm. 
What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Anthony Babineau, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Coach Bab in studio with me this morning, and um, you guys didn't play last night. You were scheduled to uh, host McNeese. Obviously, heavy rain, it came. You guys made the call early. Um, when a game, as this is a specific question for you, as you're the one that schedules them, when a game gets canceled as opposed to rescheduled, it's it's not just a simple, yeah, we don't feel like doing it. Obviously, there's a backstory. There's a lot that goes into it. What's the process like when you have to call a game due to weather? And how is, I guess, at what point you are in the season, impact? those decisions a lot well the process in a case like yesterday morning or or any morning when we get to work when when we're hosting the game and that you take a look at the forecast and what's predicted and what the professionals are are telling you in their opinion is going to happen right we don't just look at the radar we we call people and from both locally and, and the national weather service and try to get just their best guess really not a guess they're looking at at computer models and what they think is going to happen right before game time right at game time throughout the the two to three hours that it'll take to play the game and then you just try to make a determination on on if you think you'll be able to get it in or not and you have to look at things like not just rain but lightning because anytime we are in a lightning delay it's 30 minute delay guys come off the field you have pitchers to worry about how many times are you going to have to do that and then you have courtesy that you like to provide to the other team as well because once you reach a certain point in the day and the bus that they are using just like when we go somewhere once that bus leaves the yard that it's held in to go pick the team up you're charged for the bus whether or not they use it and come into town or not so you try to be as you try to keep that in mind when you're making these decisions. And then you also have your own team to keep in mind and try to make interests that, uh, I'm sorry, decisions that are in their best interest. Coming off of a, a six-day road trip, you know, do we get them up here and when we know that they have tons of schoolwork to do as we're getting near the end of the semester or closer to the end of the semester, get them up here for because it's not just the three hours 
that the game is played, that our guys are here four hours before that, starting with the pregame. The pregame meal is four hours before game time. And then we have meetings, then we have batting practice, and then we get into the game. So it's not just like, hey, go do some schoolwork and then come up here at 5.30, get into uniform, and, and let's go play. You know, it's be here, like go to school in the morning, and then come here, do all the prep work. So do we get them up here just sitting around in this weather, which we knew was coming, where they could be more productive doing other things? So, And sometimes you just have to make a call using your gut, and you just have to go go with it. And usually, last night wasn't the case. What happened was what we thought would happen. Usually, when you do something like that, if you bang the game early, the sun's out at 6 o'clock. If you don't bang it and let them come, you sit around all night watching mm-hmm. the rain and the lightning. You've, you've been on the wrong end of it a lot of times. A- exactly. I mean, so, softball last night, they went to Hammond, and then, oh, can't play. Right. That's a... That's a Right. So, you know, we made the, fortunately, we made the right call because the rain did come, the thunder and lightning, and, and we couldn't have played. But that's kind of how that goes. And what was the second part of the I guess, question? I, I know there was another one yeah, I wanted no, to address. Like, like cancel versus oh, oh, yes. Depending on the time, you know, we're getting to the part of the season where if we get a rain out, there's no opportunities for makeup mm-hmm. because there's only four weeks I believe there's four weeks, maybe five weeks left of the season. So there's other games that are scheduled midweek, which doesn't allow us to make up these games. We have one week of the finals week where we can't play. Can't play any games during that finals. Between Georgia State and App State? No. Uh, The week after that. Okay. Pretty certain. Okay. Starts with May 2nd or 3rd through the 5th. That's finals week. So we can't play any games. Yeah, that's, that's the week between those two series, I think. May 2nd through the 5th? Right, that's yeah. be- that's between Georgia State and App State? Between App State and UT Arlington, excuse that's, me. Okay, My bad, that's right. I got it wrong, yeah. So we can't play in that week. The week after that, we have a midweek series at Rice, Tuesday, Wednesday. So can't play that week. The next week is the final week of the season. We play Nichols here on Tuesday. And then Thursday right. starts the final weekend. So you can't play that week. So our opportunities are, are really limited. Not Well, not limited. I'll rephrase that. There are no opportunities. And, and, and so that's why you see a canceled versus right. postponed. No, that makes sense. And the other school too, right? Someone might look at the schedule and be like, oh, what about this week? Well, go check. Well, it's got to match up. Right. It has to match up with the opponent. Um, is it when it's a home game, is there a part of it that just hurts a little extra knowing like, dang it, we didn't get it? Well, you, I mean, you always obviously love to play at home and, and want to have opportunities for your fans. You never, you, you always hate to take away an opportunity for your home fans who pay good money to come see these games and come watch us play to, to not be able to come to a game. But again, it's just, it, I think everybody understands. I mean, there's just certain things that are out of our control and the, the weather is out of our control. No doubt. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Anthony Babineau, our guest, Rage Occasion assistant baseball coach. Um, Chipper Menard was the scheduled starter for yesterday. That surprised me a little bit uh, just based on what he's done this season. What is his role going forward? Is it midweek starter? Is it back potentially late in the game? Um, I guess I'll ask you about both guys, Chipper Menard and Hayden Dirk. I think I asked you that because I think some people thought they would see his name as the projected guy. Uh, what, what's, what's the role for those two guys right now? Well, I think that just proves to you that, like I mentioned earlier about Cooper, not knowing exactly what he's going to do yet because he 
kind of just came on. I think that shows that you'll see our guys in, in any number of roles. Could be the front of the game, middle, could be at the end. You know, Chipper was a guy that we wanted to get back out there after this weekend. So, you know, he started for us. He's thrown out of the bullpen. Felt that he's a good matchup uh, against the team that we were scheduled to compete against last night. So that's why you saw him. But Hayden's going to be back out there real soon. He's done really well for us his last few outings. So you just, you can... We feel that our pin, you can we can mix and match, and and they can throw in several roles. We don't have a set. I think it's obvious we don't have, sure. with the exception of the guys that have been thrown on the weekends. They've been throwing the ball really consistent. There's not a set closer, long relief guy. You know, there's no set roles really in the staff. They can do a multitude of things. You mentioned the weekend. Um, the guys that have stabilized their rotation are all fifth year seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think they're all they've all shown that they've they've earned those spots, but I don't know that you look at any of those guys and say if you were a scout, be like, oh, that's the best stuff on the team. I mean, that's just heat. You can't teach that. Um, how much of that is just age and maturity in those guys? Right, the wisdom of being there for a while. I think that's the that's the most. Of that's it. all of it. That's all of it. Because you're right. I mean. Neither one of those three guys has the best stuff on the team. But you mentioned their fifth-year sen- seniors. They've been around the block. So many more experiences to draw back off of than some other guys. They've had to handle pressure. They've had to handle some failures. They've had to prepare f- prepare in different ways for for their outings, and they've They've had to be organized with their baseball and with their life. They just, they're veterans. They really are. They're, there's not too many things that nerve them. Neither one of them, from Jeff to Jacob to Brandon. And they just they just give us age and wisdom and, and, and what you really, it's kind of like at the big league level. I mean, yes, you can you can have young rookies, you know, that, that have great years and, and you're excited about them and, you, and you're confident when they're on the mound because of the stuff they have, right? But there's no, I know when I'm watching a big league game and there's one of the older guys who still has good stuff, like our guy, you know, our guys are older guys who have good stuff. When you're watching an older guy who still has good stuff, whether it be Scherzer or, I mean, Verlander, oh, those guys, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that you know that are smart and know how to maneuver the ins and outs of the games, and you feel pretty confident when you're watching that that game or, or watching that pitcher throw, and that's what you get with these guys. I know Jeff's outing on Sunday, not as good as what we had, had normally seen. I think there were a couple of things working against him. There was a probably 20-mile-an-hour wind blowing in, which kind of pushed his ball to the plate a little quicker than probably he would like or we would like because Jeff is a guy that relies on on stuff. You know, his movement, his run on his fastball, the sink on his fastball, change up. So when the wind's behind you like that, it, it doesn't move the way you want it to do. It flattens it out a little bit. So I think he had that working against him. And Jeff's a guy that's that's a lot better against teams with really good bat speed. Guys with slower bats, not quite as good a hitters, 
can be a little better against Jeff because it's not, you know, 90 plus. It's just some sink. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't sink, it's right there over the plate for, for their bat speed to catch up with it. But guys that have really good bat speed and aggressive hitters, he'll, he can tie into knots because of, of their aggressiveness and their approach. The wind was pretty crazy on Sunday. Jay didn't even bother with the field mic. He just had to, because you couldn't hear him. Right. Just cut that off. Because you've been a part of a lot of games. From a wind standpoint, where does that one rank in terms of just crazy weather? Well, I've been involved in a lot of games that have had a lot of wind. And, and you know in Jonesboro going in that it's going to be like that. Generally, generally, it's blowing straight in. Mm-hmm. We had a situation where the first two days it was blowing out because of it was with it being a north wind, their field faces the same way that ours does. You know, the, when the wind blows out, it's a north wind, and, and it was cold. It was really cold Friday, Friday night, really cold. Saturday night, not quite as cold, but, but still chilling, and Sunday was a, just a really nice day besides the 20-mile-an-hour wind. wind gust blowing straight in your face. What's the, like, craziest conditions you've been a part of in a game? Well, I remember one year we went to... Bowling Green, Kentucky, when Western Kentucky was in the league, and we pull up and, and there's snow on the field. So we played in snow. We played in sleet here at, at the Teague one one year. I remember on a Sunday, I think it might have been against Western Kentucky as well. It was it was sleeting here. You know, the conditions in Round Rock this, this spring were absolutely brutal. That was some of the worst that I've ever yeah. been involved in. So there's been a number I can remember I can remember at Texas. This was this was Coach Robichaux's first year, nineteen ninety five. We opened up at Texas. I remember that being brutally cold, brutally cold. So there's there's been quite a few. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Uh, you mentioned Round Rock. There's you know a number of guys on the UL baseball team from the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Marshak um, from Amarillo, transferred from Texas Tech. His dad went to Tech. I think one of his brothers played maybe football there. Like he's, <clears throat> there's legacy from there. What what led to his transfer to UL? He was just looking for a new opportunity. Things didn't work out for him there at Tech, and just looking for a for a fresh start. And we, we're very glad that, that he did and that we got him. He's such a dynamic player, has been really good for us up at the top of the lineup. I think you can kind of see our, our season, our, our team got a little more consistent when he came back into the lineup from that injury. We've been playing pretty consistent baseball since he's been back in there because it just allows other guys to do what they are best at and not to try and overcome his absence. If He's you know what I mean. Aggre- like in terms of what you guys want to do from an aggressive standpoint on offense, he feels like he's tailor-made for Well, he it. fits the bill to a T. He yeah. really does. He's just um seems like a feisty guy too. He can he can he'll scrap. He'll scrap. He'll for scrap. Sure. Uh, no doubt. You know, when 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 you guys were missing him, it was I think it's I I I like how you put it, right? Oftentimes and I'm guilty of it at times. You just look at what what you're missing when someone's gone. But how it impacts, not, okay, well, now your batting average is this, or now your fielding percentage is this, or whatever. It is 
how do the other guys play by trying to make up for maybe what's missing there? And how does it impact the other parts of their game? Um, he's just, he's a dynamic player. And, um, you know, you brought up Round Rock and I started thinking about Texas. And I was like, I remember reading about how he was, you know, a lot, a lot of history at Texas Tech, but what led him to UL? But from a fit standpoint, I mean, it, it fits like a glove. Yeah, it really does. It fits our style of play from the tone that he sets at the top of the lineup to the type of teammate he is. He holds other guys accountable. He's not afraid to stand somebody up and tell them what they need to be, need to hear. It doesn't matter who it is, right? Uh, on the team, I'm, I'm referring to. So, And you got to have those guys on the team. You, you really do. You have to have someone that's not afraid to tell a good friend, a teammate, Hey man, let's go. This is not how we do it. It's time to tell them what they need to hear. Maybe not what they always want to hear. No doubt, that's absolutely. It. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. The fielding for Louisiana, where it was at the beginning of the season, where it is now, where it is when you look at conference play, how they're doing defensively. Um, been a lot of growth there. We're going to dig into that next. All of that and more coming up. That is Anthony Babineau who in his first year with the Raging Cajuns as a player, if you're tuning in late, we learned that the <laughs> number one song in America was going to make you sweat. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. It's so legit. It smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, put, put, put. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Walk-up music back in the day. This might have been one of Babs. Probably uh, not, but... No, mine would have probably... Not probably. Mine would have contained a little little Stevie B. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The legend. Had mm-hmm. number one... Again, mm-hmm. gentleman with number one hits. Mm-hmm. I like number one. I saw him at Route 92 years ago. It was... <laughs> it was awesome. And then, of course, he did Patty in the Park one year, and it was it was awesome. I was working that one. When he went to Route 92, I went, and he was promoting a book, and he came out, and you know, he did his thing, and he was doing some songs, and he's like, yeah, uh, Journey of the Perfect Man, book we're selling in the back. I'm like, Journey of the, like, did he 
find Jesus? What? He's like, it's a book about me, my own autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when you're not making music anymore, hey. you, gotta, you gotta do something, hey. right? And uh, I remember, like, we, like, took a picture with him after. I'm like, ah, I had a few drinks. I'm like, I gotta buy it. My wife's like, Scott, you don't need to spend money on that book. I'm like, I, I, I want it, though. She's like, no, you, come on, you you probably you took a picture with him. You probably towered over him. He's a little bitty dude. He uh, he was. I think he was on his his tiptoes. Um, yeah, he was. I mean, now you're talking about me. I mean, he's about my height. <laughs> no, I think he's a little shorter than you. I've, he was, I've seen him a couple times uh, myself. He's, he was. It was good. It was good. I didn't buy the book. I was like, you know what? Maybe <clears> when I like have my wits about me, maybe I'll. And I went on. You couldn't buy it online. I mean, he's just he's no. just traveling around with them in a right. box. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> You have to get it live. <laughs> it was, it was fun, man. Stevie B. I mean, those are some classics there. Mm-hmm. I heard Jay told me that there was a an Arkansas State player that was that was using Smooth Operator by Sade as the walk up music. Yes, that's I, I. No need to ask. I respect that. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Jay was like, "What?" I'm like, "That's first of all, there's not a bad song in her whole catalog, but to use that specific song as a walk up song in 2022, I, I respect it. Throwback." I like it. Um, I've seen her in concert as well. It wasn't at Route 92, though. <laughs> I wouldn't. Have no, it was. It was. It was at the Smoothie King Center. It yeah, was a little yeah, bit, a yeah. little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Um, uh, the fielding. I want to talk about the defense. I think you guys, from a fielding standpoint, Thompson Conference play right now. Um, from the start of the season and now, where where have you guys seen the most most growth there, and, and what's been the key to it? Well, I, I feel even at the beginning of the season, I felt like we played we played okay defense, you know. But we kind of made we made it a point, we made it a talking point a couple of weeks ago, two three weeks ago about we we need to we need to stop being so generous. We need to stop giving teams things from the base on balls to the hit by pitches to the errors at. at some of the most inopportune time. We just need to stop that. And if if we can stop being so generous and make people earn everything they get, we think we can probably be pretty successful here. And that has come to pass. It really has. Our defense lately really has been locked down. I mean, really, you know, and I'll, I'll knock on wood that 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 something terrible or, or crazy doesn't start happening, but. The guys have, you know, we work really hard on defense. Coach Wells, Coach Thibodeau both do a tremendous job in working with our guys and, and making sure that in our practices, the few that we have, the few that we are able to have during this season, once the season starts, that it's not just, hey, let's go hit. We've got to do some defensive work also. We've got to stay sharp in our ground balls. And that's something that guys get, you know, ground balls, those are kind of, you need you need one person right to to hit you ground balls so you can go grab anybody hey can you come hit me balls so that's easy to do so guys are able to do that before practice you can stay after it's not like bp where you need a thrower you need all kind of equipment you need shaggers and everything it's you know it's tougher to just to grab one person and say hey let's go hit than one person and say hey can you come hit me some ground balls right so so guys are able to get a lot of that work in before practice. You see guys stay after practice to get extra reps in. But even things from our first and third defensive plays, our bunt defenses, we make sure that we incorporate that a lot in practices so that when it shows up in the game, it's not a 
oh, what do we do here? What do we do now? We haven't done this in a while. You know, we do that often so that it stays fresh and we stay sharp at it. It, um, it, you mentioned the word generosity. That's been the word that's been used there. It feels like when the fielding is there and it has been and the hitting's there, if the pitching has a day where they're not giving up free bases, the Cajuns nine times out of ten are going to win the game. I mean, that, that, that at this point, when that happens consistently, this team, I don't know. I mean, is it fair to say the sky's the limit? Is that... You don't give up free stuff, then your talent is out there getting it done. Right. We feel that we have plenty enough talent to, if we are stingy on the defensive side of the ball, that we're going to have a great shot to win. We we feel that, especially with the way we can run, and, and we call it using our legs, obviously, mm-hmm. when we're able to, to use our legs, we can be very, very dangerous. I mean, on Sunday, this point was made up to the, made to the team by Coach Deggs afterwards on Sunday when in the top of the 10th, when Jonathan Brandon went first to third in the left fielder's face and slid in hard and the third baseman couldn't – I mean, the game was over. It was over. I mean, he he literally hit second base with the left fielder about to feel the ball and just – laughed at him and said, watch this. And made it by a good bit. It wasn't like it was like, oh, he just got there. It was right. like, no, he slid right. head he, first he and did. got up. and He did. So so we have the ability to kind of spin the game like that a little bit because of our speed, because of our legs. And then we've got strength also to put the ball in the gap, put it over the wall. And, you know, it's true of all teams. If you don't give up, if you make, it's a lot harder to win a game if you have to earn everything you get than if you are given things, right? If if you have to get 10 hits to score four or five runs, that's hard to do. You get, get 10 hits to score eight, nine, 10 runs, not quite as tough. Yeah. Because every time you get a hit, you're driving in a run because... There's a free base runner on. You know, I, I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on here. I'm, I, I've been saying it my whole career. A wa- as soon as somebody walks, they should just let them go to the dugout, put a run on the board. We'd, we'd save a whole lot of time because that guy always scores, right? Always scores nine times out of ten. Guy walks, or if you hit a guy, just let him go to the dugout, put a run up on the board, and let's just keep playing because that guy's going to score. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Uh, ULM coming in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It is uh, the Easter weekend, and so no games on Sunday, something that uh, Roe pushed for for years and uh, was able to pass a number of years ago. Uh, and it's it was long overdue when it happened. It's, it's great that it did happen. And so 6 o'clock Thursday, 6 o'clock Friday, Four o'clock Saturday, pregame thirty minutes prior on News Talk ninety six five K Pal, powered by Learfield, Jay Walker, and Brad Topham have the call as uh, the Cajuns look to continue their four game winning streak. And then um, Tuesday, April nineteenth, you guys are uh, in Baton Rouge against LSU for the Wally Pontiff Classic. Um, what in terms of like playing it at the 
old Zephyr Field, I don't even know what it's called now, as opposed to Baton Rouge. Is there any backstory to that, or was it just a... Yeah, you know, Wally Sr. called me in the fall and said that, Bab, this is going to be the last, this is the last Wally Pontiff Classic game that they are having. He said this year is going to be our last one. And he said, because it's the last one, we want to do it at, at Alex Box Stadium. And because it's the last one, we want you guys to be involved. Uh, we've had a great success with you guys in the game and really wanted us to be involved in the last one, which, you know, I was glad that, that he, number one, that he that Wally thinks of us that way and, and we're really glad that he asked us to be in the game and to be part of, of the last one because it's obviously a, a game that has meant a lot to a lot of people, um, especially the Pontiff family. Um, it's a foundation that does tremendous work. So for us to be a part of it, to, for us to be able to assist in those efforts, uh, it's really been a good relationship between us, between Wally, between LSU. So just that's the story of how that came to be about in, in Baton Rouge as opposed to in Metairie. There it is. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. We'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Happy Easter. Same to you. You and the kiddos and uh, everybody. And uh, everybody listening, at some point today, just dance. It'll make you feel better. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. Thank you. That is Anthony Babineau. Coming up next, the Dan Patrick Show. Reminder tonight, catch the Pelicans play-in game against the Spurs right here on ESPN Lafayette. If you need to hear the radio call, we've got it for you. I am... We'll be there. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Dan Patrick's next. ESPN Lafayette.